Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the, this wonderful opportunity that we have to come into Thy courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. We're so thankful that You sent Jesus to us and saved us when we were in sin. When we were sick and the doctors gave us up, You sent Him again and healed us when we, there's no hopes for us. And then for the glorious opportunity we have of giving our testimony, telling others and persuading them to come and believe on him and be saved. And knowing that this is just the beginning, this is the just the earnest of our salvation, that someday these old vile bodies we've got will be changed. And they'll be in mortal land. They'll never get old and never be sick. And this soul that we have now will never die. It'll one day will be above temptation and we'll live in thy presence as thy children. And we thank Thee for these great things. Father, we pray tonight, if some are in here tonight without this hope, may they come and receive Him tonight. And if any are in here without, without a well body, may they be healed tonight. Bring back those, Father, who have strayed away and get glory to Thyself. For we ask it in the name of Thy loving child, Jesus. Amen. And be seated. Good evening, friends. It's a privilege to be in this Lane Tech High School again on the eve of the close, closing of this convention and revival. It has indeed been a great day for me. I had the privilege this morning of being at the Christian businessman, the full gospel businessman, at their breakfast this morning in a, one of your lovely hotels here in the city for many people to gather out. And we had a time of rejoicing and refreshing. We heard the different messages from ministers. <clears throat> Pardon me, I just sat back and rejoiced and, and wept for joy. And Tommy Hicks, uh, a little minister from Texas, just a little a farm boy that God raised up and has going out. He doesn't claim any gifts or anything. He's just a preacher with a lot of faith. And God has used him marvelously in bringing souls to Christ and to the old country. And this morning he gave us his testimony, how God sent him down to Argentina and how he's seen the, the prime minister there and the, the, what a, how he worked by faith and how God was with him. I tell you, it was a story that would make ministers feel ashamed of themselves that don't try to do something for Jesus. And what a wonderful story. And tomorrow afternoon, he's going to be my guest here at the, for the afternoon speaking to tell the people his trip in behind the Iron Curtain. 
tomorrow afternoon. And I'm sure you'll enjoy this a wonderful a talk that our dear little brother will give tomorrow afternoon. And now, if it's all possible, we would sure love to have you to come out and hear Brother Tommy Hicks tomorrow afternoon. He's at this time with a minister named Valdez, who's having a service at some kind of a revival center. I believe it's in Milwaukee. I believe so. Uh, I'm sorry, Brother Tommy. Honest, I didn't even see you sitting there. God knows that's true. Well, now, I just can't know what to say now. <laughs> I, well, Brother Tommy, I, I couldn't ever say anything bad about you. And I, I, would, I would just only say to your, your back what I would to your face anyhow. So that's that just... Well... I didn't know I was saying all of that over to his face. <laughs> I'm a farm boy too, brother. <laughs> but you know, God uses farm boys sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> and so I, I am, I'm grateful Brother Hicks is here tonight. And um, the brother sitting by him, I met him this morning, I can't even think of his name now. Um, I know a man that traveled where Brother Hicks and I have, and I think around the world, or he's had great experiences overseas. What is the brother? Sumbro. Sumbro, yes. And Brother Esther Sumbro. And we are sure was happy to hear his talk this morning. It thrilled our souls down in the Christian businessman. Now, Brother Hicks, I might as well go ahead and say what is going through that. <laughs> Brother Hicks said, you know, that... Uh, that they told him over there that you couldn't see this year, uh, ruler in Argentina. Is he a prime minister or something? President. Now, you know how much I know about national affairs. Uh, the president said you couldn't see him. It takes so many weeks, 24 uh, days or 24 hours or something. But he said it's smaller. He said, well, of course, that was their scientific talk on But said he had learned by science, science, that the bumblebee was too heavy to fly. He just couldn't fly. So the bumblebee didn't know what science was saying about him, so he just flew anyhow. <laughs> they say that miracles can't happen, but we just had to be like the bumblebee, and then the would just fly away anyhow and do the work of the Lord. Not tomorrow afternoon, brother, will be here. And I was speaking, kind of got me confused when I seen Brother Hicks sitting there. Brother Valdez, is he here? Oh, he isn't here. All right. They say he's got a wonderful revival center up there, and I was going to say Brother Hicks is having service there tonight, but that's a mistake. So be here tomorrow afternoon to hear Brother Tommy give the rest of his story. And you who were there this morning now, he just told about Argentina and, and kind of the satellite countries of Russia. Tomorrow afternoon will be something new that you haven't heard. So if you heard it yet, the, today you come tomorrow and hear the rest of it. And then... Tomorrow night is the closing of the convention and the speaking, and if the Lord is willing, I'll pray for the sick again tomorrow night. And so the Lord be graciously to you. I just pray that he'll bless you exceedingly abundantly. And now, we you visitors here in the city that's out of, out of town, and you're here to be with us in this convention, and in the meeting, uh, 
Won't you find you one of these good full gospel churches and go to Sunday school in the morning? That would be mighty fine. I don't know many of the ministers that's here in the meeting. I never don't know where their churches are, except Brother Joseph there. It's up on Clark Street at the Philadelphian Church. And so if you can go up and visit Brother Joseph, he's the one I... Someone called my wife here not long ago and said, my wife said, hello. He said, uh, Sister Branham, is Brother Branham overseas? said, no, he's, he's in America. said, is he there at home? said, no. said, well, uh, is he, where is he at? Either in Chicago or Shreveport, Louisiana, one. <laughs> he goes there more than anywhere else. And there's the two fellows sitting together, their churches. Brother Joseph here of, of Chicago and Brother Jack Moore of Report, Louisiana. So, uh, I'm around Chicago. I hope I don't wear my welcome out at either place. But, and uh, I hope to get to come back sometime to Chicago again. Hey. And I pray yeah. that he'll help me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you kindly. It make, makes me feel double welcome to know that you welcome me back. Now, we're going to try to pray for as many as we can. Last evening we had a different kind of a prayer line. First one I've had in a long time. And I haven't checked with Brother Joseph about the testimonies coming in. Hope they were great. And now tonight we don't know exactly. The boys said they give out a hundred or so prayer cards a while ago. And we're very uh, enthused to get them up here and go to praying for them. But just before we we do that, I would like to continue on a little bit with our, our message we've been talking about. And that's, we started in the book of Exodus about last week, and so then we're trying to run out on it tonight if possible, and if God willing, tomorrow night I want to talk on fellowship, how to have perfect fellowship with God. And now we've been speaking in the book of Exodus, which is the book of the calling out, the book of redemption of the Old Testament. I love it because it's a beautiful book. And I believe that it's a very profitable for us to study it now because I believe the church is in another exodus. Calling out. The exodus means called out. Called out means the church. And now uh, God is calling his people out of every walk of life to come and, and receive him and to believe on him. And he's showing great signs and wonders in these last days. And he's calling people, ministers from all walks of life. Call them into the ministry. And now we found out that in those three subjects especially that we wanted to speak on in the book of Exodus. And those subjects was the power of Satan and the power of faith and the power of God. And last night we spoke on the power of decision. And tonight we want to speak on the results of all of this. God settling Israel down in the promised land. And for a text, if we would call it to get the context from this finishing book, we are going to read tonight from Joshua, the third chapter and the seventh verse. And the Lord said unto Joshua, 
This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with thee. What a marvelous promise that was to Joshua, this new young uh, man, military leader of Israel, and had now was the prophet and to succeed this great man, Moses. Now, we found out that how that the power of death could reign through Satan, but he, at death, he can only, that's as far as he can go. And we just take a little bit for a background now to get to the thought that we want to speak on just for a few moments and try to be ready for the prayer line within the next 20 to 30 minutes so we can give the biggest time now into the the prayer line. And you have fine ministers all through here who, who are preachers and they can preach the gospel to you. But this just going back as it was like a Sunday school lesson. And I'm a prospector. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> yeah, I go down in the Bible and dig up these gems and clean them off a little, you know, look at them. They, and I like to dig in the book of Exodus because you find plenty of gems in there. And if you happen to look, every one of them was chipped off of the Lord Jesus, point right back to him again. So that in him dwells all the fullness and all the blessings, all the redemption, all the healing, all that there is lays right in Christ Jesus. And you in him, you have a right to ask the Father anything you will in his name. He said, I'll give it. I'll do it. What a promise. Now, Satan does. We do not want to be mistaken. Satan has a power. And that power is death. And he can, he has a, a power of death. Satan is the one who takes your life when God will let him do it. But God can hold your life and Satan cannot take it until God lets him do it. He can only use that power as God will let him use it. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Death. You know, someone said one time, what is death? He said, God Harness death up to a buggy. And the only thing death can do is pull the believer in the presence of his maker. So it ain't a bad thing after all, is it? You know, I wouldn't want to live in this old pest house all the time. Would you? Well, look here what 46 years has done for me. Mm. I was thinking not long ago as a little chubby-handed boy playing marbles. Hasn't been looked like just two changes of the moon since I was a young fella and straighten the shoulders, and I'd won the Bantamweight Championship uh, in the Golden Gloves and went out into professional fighting, and I, I thought I was a big fella. I used to stand and comb a big shock of black wavy hair, and I sure have a time doing that tonight. <laughs> the other day I was combing my hair, not the other day, some time ago, and my wife said to me, she said, Billy, you know you're getting all the way bald-headed. I said, well, honey, but praise God, I haven't lost a one of them. And she said, well, where do you think they are? I said, you tell me where they was before I got them. They were somewhere. They had to come on here. And now everywhere they are now, they are where they was before I got them. They're waiting for me to come to them. Isn't that the truth? There was one time they was not. 
and then they was, and then are not. One time I was, and I am, I was not, I am now, and I will be again. God just takes that old uh, petroleum and moisture and, and lights, cosmic light and whatever we're made with, and when he gets through with this soul here and takes it into his presence, then when that king of spirit leaves glory some of these days, the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll turn my spirit loose from glory. And when it screams all the cosmic light and the calcium and the all that I'm made up of and the moisture and the petroleum will come together in a young, healthy man and I'll never change no more. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Just think, I asked a doctor some time ago, I said, doctor, is it true? Every time I eat, I renew my life. I said, absolutely. I said, well, it comes from what? He said, your food turns to blood and you make new blood cells, new blood cells from your food. I said, I want to ask you something then. I said, when I was 16 years old, I ate potatoes and beans and cornbread and just the food I do now. And every time I eat that, I renew my life and got bigger and stronger. I eat the same kind of food now and get older and weaker. <laughs> How is that? I said, I'd like for science to show me that. If you're pouring water in a glass and it's filling up all the time, it gets a little about half full. And then you pour, continue to pour water. And it don't leak out, but somehow another just don't fill up and get going down all the time. More water you pour in, more it goes down. <laughs> that won't work. But God said so. That's why. That's right. God's painting a picture. And a man, when he comes up, he comes to a certain age. And then after a while, he ceases. God gets the picture just where he wants it. Says, there it is. All right. In the resurrection, that's just exactly what we're going to be in the resurrection. Just when we're at our best. So we don't have nothing to worry about. Just serve the Lord Jesus. Be born again. And he promised we would, we would be there. And we'll be there. Don't worry. All right. That's the promise that, that you see when you go to where Satan has taken the little baby out of the home. Taken the little baby that didn't get to live. And ra raise it up. That's where you go to see the loving wife that you laid away. You stand at the grave and the black clouds around. Oh, my. When you're ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But the next power of faith brace goes right through that dark cloud of death and sees a God of resurrection standing out yonder. Amen. He sees the resurrection. And by faith, he just dries up his tears and says, glory to God, I'll see him again. See, that's it. God, through faith, Moses kept the Passover. Through faith. What Moses did. And now we find Israel at the river in a trap. Then when God brought his power down by the Holy Ghost light where we was at and moved them through that trap and put them on the other side, God showing his power. He let them get in a trap so that he could show his power, show that he loved them. That's the way he does you sometimes. He lets you take a little sickness so he can just show you how much he loves you. My old shepherd story used to be that they said there was a man passing down through Palestine once and, and he was, um, he had a sheep there. He had it, had its leg broke. And he said, um, oh, it's too bad, sir. Said your sheep broke its leg, I guess. He said, no, I broke it. Why, he said, you cruel hearted shepherd. You mean you'd break your own sheep's leg? He said, yes, I did it for this purpose. Said, I couldn't make her mind me. 
And so I broke her leg so I could show her how much I love her and give her some special food and pat her a little bit and said, that makes her love me. And when her legs healed up, she'll follow me right along. Keep her out of trouble. God does that sometimes. He lets something strike you so he can show you a little extra mercy, you know, just a little of his goodness so that you'll walk a little closer to him. So the Bible said that all things work together for good to them that love God. So it has to be for the good. God just let that happen so it would be for the good. He's a good God. He's wonderful. Now we followed them last night down through their journey. Found out when they were hungry, God blowed quails in for them. And when they were thirsty, they smote the rock and out of the rock came water. We typed that with John 3.16 to a perishing, dying world today. Then we found out when they got sick, God promised, which that was the type of this uh, travel today on a road to the promised land. And they, after they left Egypt, we found out, crossed over into the wilderness, that they were pilgrims. They were aliens. They were going to a promised land. They had not yet reached it. And they come up out of another land and they were in between in the wilderness journey which is a beautiful picture of the church today on its road to glory. We're no longer in Egypt. We done pulled up our tent stakes and left. Come through the Red Sea, the blood of the Lord Jesus. Seen all the old habits and things of life. Drowned the taskmasters that drove us to the bar rooms and to the uh, cocktail lounges and so forth. And seen all that drowned like Pharaoh and his horses. And then now we're in the wilderness. Moving along, pollen, the angel of the covenant, the Holy Spirit, and knowing that we're on our road to a great land that'll be here and during the days of the millennium. And we're going for that thousand years of millennium reign. Now a lot of people types the promised land over there, Palestine, with heaven. It couldn't be they had wars and things in Palestine, so they don't have no wars and so forth in heaven. It's a type of the thousand years reign on the earth with Christ. Three stages of the journey. And we're ready now, the church is, to my opinion, and the spiritual stand to enter in on the third scene. And that's the scene we're going to tonight in our text. We found out they needed healing. Well, now, they had a doctor with them, which was Moses. And uh, say, you know, Moses really was a real doctor. Think he had around two million people out there with him. How many babies was born ever 24 hours? How many people was hurt and sick and had bad colds and so forth? You know, I, I really believe it. A lot of you, if say, some doctors here tonight, we ought to look in Dr. Moses' medicine cabinet and find out just exactly what kind of a remedy he had. Don't you think that? He kept two million people on the go, and there wasn't a feeble one among them when he come out of it. Forty years long. Say, doctor, you ought to look in his medicine kit and find out what he had. Let's do it. Would you like to look into it? All right. We'll just look over and see what Moses had. Here it is. Moses opens up his medicine kit. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. That's all he had. Amen. That's all he needed. I'm the Lord that healeth all of thy diseases. That's all the medicine he needed. And he practiced that too. So when they had a place that Moses couldn't pray for all of them, 
So then God told him to go and erect a brass serpent, put it on a pole. We skipped over that last night. Just said he had the brass serpent. Let's take a symbol of that. The first thing, the brass serpent represented Jesus himself. Because the serpent represented sin already judged from the Garden of Eden. And Jesus was made sin for us, knowing no sin. The brass that the serpent is made out of represented divine judgment. Brass is divine judgment. If you notice the brazen altar, the judgment where the sacrifice was burnt. And Elijah, in the days when Israel had got away from God and there were going to be a great divine judgment upon, he said the skies looked like brass. Divine judgment. And the pole, of course, was the cross. And the brass serpent couldn't pray for anyone. They just looked at the brass serpent and lived. Look and live. And that was the type of Christ. And if they could look at the type and live, how much more ought we to look at the antitype, Jesus himself, and live? Amen. Amen. We find out many times that people rely on their symptoms. If they're prayed for, I was going to find the report from Brother Joseph. See how many went away last night with really after a full week of gospel teaching how to be healed? And went away and said, well, still got it. See? And you'll probably always have it. See, If you feel that way. Faith don't see that thing. Faith sees what God says. Faith don't see any symptoms at all. Faith refuses to see symptoms. You say, well, Brother Branham, if they are there, shouldn't we say they're there? No. No, sir. You say he's the Lord that you uh, confess. He's the high priest of our confession, Hebrews 3. And any of you, brother, know that confess and profess there is the same word. So he's the high priest of our confession. He can't do nothing until first we confess that he's done it. There's no healing in man. There's no healing in medicine. Prove that to you the other night. There's no healing in medicine. Medicine don't claim to heal. It's a remedy. Keeps clean while God heals. Medicine don't build tissue. Medicine can't mend a bone. Medicine can't heal up a sore or cut. Certainly not. It just keeps it clean while God heals it. God does the healing. And medicine just keeps it clean. A doctor will tell you the same. He said, I'm the Lord who heals all of your diseases. Every disease is healed by God. Medicine just keeps clean while God does the healing. Now, remedies keep you quiet and so forth, aspirin, quieten your nerves and so forth while God does the healing. Now, notice, in this great journey, God had given this promise that he would take care of them, and he did. He had to keep his word. So he, this serpent that was lifted up on the pole was represented Jesus. Now, the people looked at the serpent and believed that God had it erected and they were healed. The serpent couldn't pray for them. Now they looked and lived. And if under the type, if they could look and live, how much more ought we when we even are praying for one another to live? Notice symptoms. I just happen to think of a fellow had a real bad case of symptoms one time. And that was a fellow named Jonah. Jonah had the worst case of symptoms of anybody I ever knew of. He really had it. The first thing, he was backslidden. Now, that's a big word for a Baptist preacher to say, isn't it? Backslidden. But he sure was. 
Anybody don't mind God backslid. So he was backslidden out on a stormy sea, hands tied behind him, feet tied low, thrown out in the ocean. A hungry whale swallowed him and went down to the bottom of the sea. And uh, Jonah was in the belly of the whale in the bottom of the sea, backslid. Talk about symptoms. He really had it. If he looked this way, he saw the whale's belly. Everywhere he looked, he saw the whale's belly. But you know what he said? He said, they're lying vanities. He said, once more will I look to your holy temple, Lord. For he knew that when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed, God, if thy people be in trouble at any time and look to this holy place, then hear from heaven. And he believed it. And he looked away from the whale's belly and all the symptoms that there was around him and looked to the temple of God and God heard out of heaven and sent an oxygen tank down there real quick and kept him alive for three days and nights and took him over to the place like a taxi cab ride and put him out and he preached so that a city the size of St. Louis repented. Amen. Now, if Jonah, under those circumstances, there isn't no one here that bad off tonight. At least you got both feet on the ground. But notice, under those circumstances, could refuse to look at it and look towards a temple where a man that finally backslid, Solomon, had prayed a prayer of faith under an earthly temple. How much more under you and your condition look away to the heavenly throne where Jesus sits at the right hand of God with his own blood making intercessions upon your confession and bidding you to come. Then symptoms fly away when we get it there. When we go to look in that, we look up. Someone come not long ago said, you, Brother Branham? I said, yes, sir. So uh, I'll tell you what I've done. He said, I went over to Oral Roberts and asked him to do something for me. He said, he'd done his best, but he couldn't help me. He said, I went over to two or three more evangelists and they prayed for me. He said, couldn't help me. He said, I'll come see what you could do for me. I said, you're going away the same way. I said, that's one thing sure. I said, you're going to the wrong place. You keep running around after a man when you ought to be looking up this way. Help cometh from above. They're a fine man and they can pray, but that's all we can do is pray for you. Your faith contacting God brings the results. Jesus said, when he died, he was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes, we were healed. Then there's no man can save you. Jesus already done it. You just have to accept it. Preacher can preach to you, but he's not a savior. He's just a help to help you see what God has already done for you. Every person in here was saved 1900 years ago. You might accepted it last week, last night, six years, 20 years ago, but you were saved 1900 years ago as far as God is concerned. And you were healed at the same time. Amen. You have to believe it. And God sends some in the church, first apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, sets gifts in his church, speaking with tongues, interpretations, all kinds of signs and things for the perfecting of the church, to bring the people together, to let them know that he is the living God, living among his people. Then you look at that and believe it. By faith, you look at Calvary, where the supreme sacrifice was paid for every individual. And it's yours tonight. Every person here that's sick tonight's already healed as far as God is concerned. Amen. Oh, I love it, don't you? It just kind of makes me feel religious to talk about it. To think of how wonderful. 
when we couldn't help ourselves and God brought us help. On their journey now, we find them at last night up to Kadesh Barnea, borderline. We found out when they come up to the border to go over, they sent some spies over to spy out the land. Ten men, or twelve, one out of each tribe, and ten of them come back all discouraged. We type that also with the age. We type them three stages of journey with the three dispensations of grace to the church. How that Martin Luther rose up by justification, leaving Egypt. And how that we find John Wesley rose up, preaching sanctification. And now we find out that Pentecost is raised up, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the restoration of the gifts. And when the church moved up to that land there, Pentecost moved up to there. All the church moved up to that age. They sent out and they said, we can't do it. We'll be fanatics. It'll ruin our church. We can't do this. But God had somebody to go over and bring back the evidence that it was a good land. I like that land. Oh, my. They say, oh, we'll be, the people will think we're crazy if, if we try to go back to that again. Well, brother, they say you're crazy anyhow. So, you know, I've been a lot happier since I've been this kind of crazy than I was when it was the other way. So I just soon stay this way for myself. Just stay like this. He takes care of me and loves me and I love him and he's good to me. So we find out that many of them just stay along the border. That's the way today we have a lot of borderline preachers that'll just preach part of the truth but won't accept the rest of it. They believe Jesus was born virgin birth, truly. Believe he's the Son of God, truly. All very orthodox in those things, but oh, divine healing and those things that were for us a day some other time. That ain't for today. That's a borderline preacher. I like the full gospel myself for a full man. Preach the gospel. Preach the whole word of God. Believe it all. Practice it all. Amen. Amen. Someone slipped me a little pamphlet as they come in a while ago. said, read this, brother, as you're going. I look where a certain church in this city tonight's got a skull talking, a human skull. Mm. I'm so glad that my Lord's done raised the dead. He's talking. He's alive. Not an old dead skull. Oh, how thankful we are to know that he has raised from the dead. And tonight we have the Holy Spirit as a witness of his resurrection. And we find out now Israel up here at Kadesh Barnea, the great judgment seat of the world one time, the big spring and several little springs, typing the great judgment seat, white throne in heaven and the churches, which is the judgment begins at the house of God. For the judgment, and there Israel was on the march, moving. This morning when we stand at the Christian businessman, Brother Hicks had us all singing, onward Christian soldiers. I thought, yeah, that's right, long as you're marching, all right, but don't stop. Israel made his mistake when it stopped. That it went on, that it possessed the promised land right there, for God gave him the promise, he's good to his promise. That it went on over in, but they stopped marching. And you notice when they start stopped marching, they started wandering. <laughs> That's what happens. Always when the church stops. That's what happened a long time ago to Pentecost. It stopped. 
You started organizing, putting them all in different groups, assemblies of God, church of God, four square of God, oneness of God, two-ness, three-ness, four-ness, all, all these other things. You stopped. Why didn't you move on? Now you've been wandering 40 years in the wilderness. But the sovereign grace of God will take us on through anyhow. Wandering around, God said, I would have given them rest right then if they'd have went on. Said over in the book of Hebrews, rest, type of the Sabbath. I'm not speaking at you Sabbatarian people here, but the day was only a shadow. Some man wrote me a letter, even I got it today and said, Brother Branham, do you keep the seventh day Sabbath? I heard you say that you, this morning in that breakfast, that you, you eat sausage and eggs. That a holy man like you eat sausage? <laughs> Well, brother, I love you with all my heart. But if I never do no more than eat sausage, it'll never keep me out of heaven. Notice, brother, keeping Sabbath day was, it's all right if you want to do it. I, I make a principle in the pulpit, talk about nobody's religion. That's right. But for the sake of it now, I say this, that the Sabbath day keeping was only a shadow of the real Sabbath. God would have given them Sabbath right there when they crossed the Jordan. Jordan represents death. And when you're ready to die out to yourself, God will give you Sabbath. Amen. I said the Sabbath is the Holy Ghost. Said nonsense. Said the Sabbath is a day. I said it was at one time limited to a certain people. But today the Sabbath is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right. He said, oh, it can't be. Why? He said, God gave the day and sealed it with a memorial that it was a day keeping. I said, for a people. But today Ephesians 4.30 said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed till the day of your redemption. Holy Ghost is the seal of God. That'll be upon the forehead of the knowledge and the hand. The works of every person that's cut into the kingdom of God will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Seal of God in this last days. It's a distinction, a mark. That'll be put upon the people. Wish we had about a week's revival on that. Notice. Isaiah said in Isaiah 28, 8. He said, precept must be on precept. Speaking of this day. When the tables will be full of vomit and so forth. Every man, they take the communion the day they think because you take the communion that, that you're going to go to heaven. The Bible said, Everyone who takes it unworthy is guilty of the death and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a sacred order. I don't believe in all this, what they call taking communion today. Went to a church not long ago and they took a piece of loaf bread or light bread and cut it up in some pieces and People down through there that drink and gamble and smoke and cuss and lie are taking that and think you go to heaven. Brother, you're damning your own soul by doing such a thing. No wonder the tables of the Lord is full of vomit. Sure. He said, but precept must be up on precept and line up on line. Here a little and there a little and hold fast to that. What's good? For with stammering lips and with other tongues will I speak to this people and this is the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews 4 said, 
there remaineth the Sabbath keeping to the people of God. For we which have entered into his rest has ceased from our works as God did from his. God worked six days and the seventh day he went to rest and never returned no more. And a man may labor and whirl here till he's 20 years old, 30, 40, 70. But when he ceases from his worldly works, he goes into an eternal rest with God like God did at the beginning. Oh, brother, if you're living on the borderline tonight, come on over. Cross over Jordan. It's wonderful. There's great big grapes over here. We got the initial evidence. We got... Hallelujah. Got some Joshua's and Caleb's that went over the border and brought back the evidence that it's a good land. Every promise that God made share. The full gospel, the full Bible, divine healing, rejoicing, happiness, peace, everything that the Bible promised, every fruit's in this land. Amen. It's yours at the asking. But the first thing you have to do is cross over Jordan. You can't stay over there in the wilderness and expect to get it because the grapes don't grow like that over there. Right, that's what's the matter at the church tonight. It's become anemia condition. It needs a blood transfusion. Getting pale in the face. Amen. Oh my, that's Pentecost I'm talking about. I wasn't talking about Presbyterian or Lutheran. I'm talking about Pentecost. Used to be a long time ago. Used to have a good old meeting, brother. All of them get in there and they'd shout and praise the Lord and let loose and let the Spirit have its way. And you go into some of them now, brother, the spiritual thermometer go 40 below zero. That's right. Oh, my, what's the matter? The thing of it was you turned it down. God wanted to take us over. Caleb and Joshua, come back. They said it's a good land. And never you, then, if you'd have went on over instead of colonizing yourself and making yourself organizations and denominations, which has proved to be a curse to you, if you just stayed like you was, God would have had every spiritual gift flowing through the church right now and the millennium would have been on. (laughs) Amen. But no, you had to get a name tacked on to you. (laughs) That's what put the curse on you. That's right. Now, I ain't got nothing against no denominations. They're all right. But, brother, you're trying to act like the rest of the people. You'll say, well, now, listen, I belong to certain, certain church. What does God care what church you belong to? If you're not born again, you're not going to heaven anyhow. Sure. Keep out of that old borderline condition. They become the wandering. Adam had done the same thing. When he failed to keep the word of God, every word of it, he become a wanderer. Cain did the same when he wouldn't accept the same sacrifice that God received from Abel. He became a wanderer. And every man and woman tonight who stands in these latter-day revivals now that's going on across the country and see the mighty moving of God and refuse to do it, you'll become a wanderer. Right. Shifting for yourself. I tell you what we need today is the good old-fashioned St. Paul's revival in the Bible, Holy Ghost again. People back to the old mourner's bench. I'm one of the old-fashioned type that believes in the old-fashioned revival. You know what's the matter? We got too much Hollywood revivals today. That's right. Go along. Here not long ago, I was in a revival where Pentecostal women on the platform with a skirt on. It looked like they were molded in it. And with great big long earrings 
hanging down like that and with manicure or what you call the stuff all over their face. Looked like they'd been eating raw beefsteak blood all over their fingers and things. And call themselves filled with the Holy Ghost. By their fruit you shall know them. Right. It's divine that you do that. Yes, sir. You know it used to be wrong for Pentecostal women to cut their hair? <laughs> that was her glory. She sure fell short of the glory somewhere. Right. You know that's the truth, brother. Now, I that, might as well admit the truth. Now, listen. The Bible said it's a woman's glory. So you shared it with the devil. <laughs> That's right. Let your hair grow out. Amen. Dear lady, you look like a Christian. Quit trying to fashion after the world. The devil gets you in all kinds of trouble. Get that heart. Get into the Shekinah glory over yonder with God. Move in behind the veil. Let that drop behind you. Shut the world off where you can't see the things of the world. Die out to self. I remember when I first seen Pentecostal people around Mishawak, Indiana, several years ago, women would start shouting at these great big old horn hairpins that fly all over the floor. Brother, you'd have a hard time finding one. You couldn't buy one, I don't guess, anymore. Oh, what a shame. That's right. And used to be that how things was, but they changed. What's the matter? Each denomination tried to build its organization up instead of trying to get the people to God. You know that's the truth. Now, look, this may make you a little bit sick at your stomach, but, you know, when I was a little boy, uh, we was raised poor. Mama used to have to take and put a bread pan in the stove and render out meat skins that she'd pick up down at the store to get the grease to pour on the cornbread to make the, to make the whole cakes and us kids that eat whole cakes and sop sorghum molasses for breakfast. I don't know where they ever did or not. Pretty good. But, you know, we'd have to do that. And every Saturday night, I know what it was. Take a bath in an old cedar tub. And uh, never change the water, just pour some more and warm it up for the next fella. Now, that was right. But we lived over it, I tell you, brother. It ain't so much about the outside. If you take care of the inside as well as you do the outside, you'd be better off anyhow. Amen. Amen. Not long ago, I was standing by a big museum. Had the estimation of a human body, a man that weighed 150 pounds worth 84 cents in chemicals. Put a $10 hat on 84 cents. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you. Put a $500 mink skin coat around 84 cents and stick your nose up, it'd rain, you'd drown you. Then you think you're somebody worth 84 cents. You sure take care of that. But brother, you got a soul that'll never die somewhere. You'll take any kind of old dogmatic stuff for that. Amen. Amen. I don't know what's the matter with me. <laughs> But, but it's your pastors are supposed to do that. But bless the Lord. But what we need is to get back in the path. See, we, we, that's the reason we're not over there tonight enjoying something. That's why we're all broke up and everything. Certainly. I remember finishing my story about Mama giving us all a bath, scrubber ears, had an old meal sack towel. I don't know where you ever seen one or not, and pulled some of the threads out, you know, and Oh, how rough. She'd rub the hide off of me nearly. And then the next thing she'd do, after she did that, every one of the kids, get ready. A little bit of coffee stirred up like that with a spoonful of castor oil. Had to take it every Saturday night, so be ready to go to school Sunday morning. Keep cold with it. Acidity ball hanging down like this, you know, a flannel piece on your undershirt. 
I don't know where he ever had one or not, but that's the way we was raised. And I took so much castor oil, I can't even look at this stuff no more. I, I tell you, I just can't stand the smell of it. It gags me. And when I'd come to Mama, I'd say, oh, Mama, please, please. I'd hold my nose like that and gag just as hard as I could. I'd say, Mama, it makes me so sick. She said, if it don't make you right good and sick, it don't do you no good. <laughs> That's what I'm meaning tonight. If this don't stir you up a little bit by letting your hair grow and acting a little different and getting off these borderlines, I wanted to make it real sick at your stomach so you stir up your spiritual gastronomic so you can be really Amen. If it don't make you right sick, it won't do you any good, you see. Amen. It'll open up your heart so the Holy Ghost can come in. Clear out the channels and fix you up. Amen. Notice how wonderful. God said if they'd cross over the border, He would give it to them, but they didn't want to do it, so they started wandering, going away, getting out. Shifting around. The Bible said, be not tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but be stable. Amen. I believe if a man ever come in contact with Christ, all devils out of hell will never make him deny it again. If you just imagine you got there, it's something different. But, uh, you know, no matter how much disfigured I'll ever be, I'm a human. That's right, because I was born a human. If you ever get a Christ in your heart, you're a Christian. You're son of God, daughter of God. Makes you act different, look different, walk different, talk different, associate in different parties. Amen. Oh, yes, it separates you. The world wants mixers, but God wants separators. That's right. Amen. Notice how beautiful. And while they were out wandering around, that's where they got into all kinds of trouble. And a devil seen to it that they got an old backslidden preacher to come preach to him. That's right. His name was Bishop Balaam. <laughs> oh, yes. He was there. You know what he done? He got them all mixed up in marriage and divorce cases. That's what the devil done the same thing. Amen. Hallelujah. I seen a preacher the other day had four wives, living wives. Said, I don't know what's the matter in my church. I said, You ought not have to look very far. Amen. Oh my, yeah, got them all mixed up out there and begin to marry, intermarry. That's the way they did today when you got to wandering around. If you stayed on the real firing line of God, you wouldn't have done these things. Marrying believers with unbelievers and in and out and so forth and marrying them had been married two or three times and had three or four wives and so forth and marry them again. That's that old doctrine of Balaam. Right. Oh, he was quite a fellow. Now, he had a big name over in his land. So one day he jumped on his mule and started out to put a curse on that little bunch of people that's wandering around down there. God giving them a little bit of what they needed. <laughs> a little posterior protoplasma stimulation, just exactly what every youngster needs. So God was a really pouring it on them. And when he gave them a real good spanking, here come this old Balaam down. And you know what? He was so blind and so sure he was going to win that debate down there with Moses till he couldn't see the angel of the Lord standing in the way. You know, that's about like the modern Balaam today. Oh, he's got his D-D-D-D-P-H-L-L-D. I know all about it. You know nothing. You know what the Bible calls D-D? Dumb dog. That's right. Yes. 
Here he comes with his DDs, you know, down through there. He is going to show this year Moses where to get on and off at. And he was so blind he couldn't see the angel of the Lord. Glory! That's a sure type of the church today. People says this angel that we talk about and the power of God's nonsense. He's nothing to it. I went to the meeting. I didn't see nothing. No wonder you're blind. Hallelujah. You know what? That old mule knowed more about it and was in better condition than what his prophet was. That old mule seen the angel himself. We ought to have harsh sense anyhow. So the, the mule fell down on his knees before the angel and God gave him the gift of speaking in tongues. He did it. The mule spoke in tongues. Amen. When he recognized the angel of the Lord was in the camp. The truth. It wasn't. Did a mule ever speak human voice before? He sure did. Give him a gift of speaking in tongues and he rebuked the pastor over it. Amen. What a scene. Oh, yes, sir. The mule turned around and rebuked him about it because she was on her knees. She could see the angel. <laughs> but Balaam couldn't see nothing but riding on down there for a big salary in a new church. <laughs> All he could see. But the old mule saw the angel of the Lord and fell on her knees. God rewarded her. Here she come down. Right on down to the place and watch now how it means, brother, your orthodoxy don't get you too much. God always vindicates his church with signs and wonders. Did you know that? Look at this old mule bringing the old backslidden preacher down there to curse God's people. That's what they're trying to do today. You'll never curse what God's blessed. You just might as well quit fussing about it. You just might as well come join up with it if you want to go to heaven. Amen. You know, I believe all about all the Baptists that drained out of me by this time. I, I'm almost getting to be Pentecostal myself, I believe. I notice there they come right down there to the place and... I want you to look at a little something here if you ever looked at it before. I don't know. But notice, here was Moses and the children of Israel, although backslidden, wandering around 40 years, getting up close to the borderline again, about where God's got the church now, getting back up towards the borderline again, and wandering back after he'd given them their schooling and lessons, come back up towards the borderline. And they wanted to pass through or go over in this church and hold a revival, in other words, over in the land of Moab. Now, Moab was a denomination, but Israel was interdenominational. Sure, they didn't have any nation of their own, no land to call their own. They were pilgrims. That's right. Dwelling in tents. But Moab was all organized. He had all these armies. He had everything. And Moab was not an infidel now. Remember, he was a brother to Israel. Moab come from the sons of, uh, of, um, it was Lot's daughter's child that come make them Obanites. And now uh, they were brothers to Israel. And Israel come up there, didn't have no land, was on his road to a land. He had no church, he was on his road to the church. And the Lord was with him. He said, may I pass through your land, brother? He said, go get the bishop and come down here and curse that feller. We don't want none of that nonsense ever start in our land. 
None of that there crying and shouting and hollering going on up here like that. That bunch of holy rollers. You say, were they holy rollers? Sure they were holy rollers. When they come out from the Red Sea, crossed over, Moses sang in the Spirit, and Miriam got the tambourine, began to beat it, and all of them began to shout in the Spirit and dance in the Spirit. If that ain't a holy roller meeting, I've never seen one. Sure. So don't let them come in here. We don't want all that stuff started amongst... We fine, fellows. We know better than that stuff. Mine. We know where we're standing. I wonder. So he got, went and got the bishop and brought him down. So he come out there and he said, Now I'll tell you what I want you to do. Look how orthodox he was. He said, I want you to make me seven altars. That's just exactly what God required. Seven altars. He said, I want you to kill me seven sacrifices. Clean bullocks. That's what God required. See how fundamentally he was in the word? He said, I want you to put seven rams on it. Not yours, rams. Speaking of the coming of Jesus. Second coming, or the first coming of Christ. Now, you, you may be orthodox. You may believe in the virgin birth. You may be the death, resurrection, the ascension, the second coming. But, brother, there's a little something goes besides that. Amen. Balaam was just as, just as orthodox as Moses was. Now, look. Your seven altars, seven clean sacrifices, seven rams are burning up here on the hill with all the celebrity. The high priest or whatever it was, and all of them standing around the smoldering sacrifices, praying to Jehovah God. Just perfect according to God's requirement. God required seven altars, seven sacrifices, and everyone who believed that the Messiah would come, they'd burn a ram fart, believing that, that he was the lamb slain the foundation of the world. They were very orthodox. Now look, up here on the hill is a fine, organized nation of people, all believing in Jehovah God, with a great, fine minister, fine scholar educated, stand up there and all the celebrities standing around the smoldering fires, exactly just as scriptural as it could be, every word of it orthodox. Down there in the valley was a bunch of people that had no homes to go to. They claimed to be pilgrims and strangers. They wasn't organized. They were dwelling in tents. And they were had seven altars, seven bullocks, and seven rams. Orthodox one was just the same as the other. If God only requires you to be orthodox to the word, then he would be wrong to condemn Moab and accept Israel. Cain and Abel, both of them worshipped in the beginning. Cain built an altar, so did Abel. Cain worshipped, so did Abel. Cain wasn't an infidel. They built an altar, they brought a sacrifice, they done everything that they could do, both of them. Why did Abel was accepted? Because Abel was spiritual minded. It was revealed to Abel that it wasn't fruits and apples that brought us out of the Garden of Eden. It was blood and he offered the blood of a, a lamb by spiritual revelation. And Jesus said that he would build his church on the spiritual revelation. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, he said to Peter. You never learn it in a seminary. You never learn it by being orthodox. But flesh and blood is not revealed to you. But my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. How are you going to stop it then? Now, there was spiritual revelation. Here was Moses. He had his foot on the throne. He could have had a great... He could have turned all Egypt down there and maybe stayed there. But God's promise was to journey through the wilderness and go to the promised land. Amen. Got to get the position first. 
And Moses chose rather to suffer with the people than to sit on the throne down here. Because it was revealed to him spiritually. And here he was going and God was proving. Here's how you know whether you're in the right group or not. God always vindicates his church with signs and wonders. No matter how orthodox you are, it depends on whether God is accepting your sacrifice. Talking to a very good Baptist brother, which I love with all my heart, a fine scholar, if I ever seen one. He said, Brother Branham, what in the world has come over you, boy? And I said, what? Why? He said, all this fanaticism you're trying to teach. He said, all this baptism of the Holy Ghost said, we get the Holy Ghost when you believe God. I said, you Baptists got all mixed up in that in Acts 19. Paul found some Baptists up there and said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? <laughs> I thought you said you received it when you believe. Paul said, you've already believed, but have you received the Holy Ghost since then? Amen. Amen. Yeah, Paulus is a great preacher, all right, but he needed the Holy Ghost. And he said, Brother Branham, did not God, uh, Abraham, the father of the faithful, did not he believe God? What more could he do but believe God? said he believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness because he believed God. I said, correctly. But then God did uh, vindicated his faith by giving him the circumcision to prove that he had accepted him. I said, you might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ until God recognizes your faith. He'll give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal the promise. Abraham received circumcision as a seal that God had accepted the righteousness of his faith. And if you say you believe God and with all your heart, God will give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal you in the kingdom of the God to recognize your true faith in God. Amen. That's old-fashioned sassafras preaching, but it'll save you, brother. I'm telling you, it'll keep you when the trials are heavy. Amen. I might not be able to express it right, but I, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. I might not be able to tell you or you'll understand but I'm getting a sure good thrill out of trying it. But I love it because I know it's the truth. Yes, sir. The circumcision was a vindication. God always sends a vindication that I have received it. I'll do this to prove I've received it. You said you believe, then I'll do this to prove it. Now, notice how God does that. Vindicating. That he has received the righteousness of faith. Now, that's what we've got to do today. That's what Moab had a very orthodox church. But God had nothing to do with it. And the very same God that both tribes praying to, both of them offering the same sacrifice, God was vindicating that Israel was right because they had a pillar of fire hanging over it. They had divine healing. They had shouting. They had dancing in the spirit. They had joy. Oh, they had a glorious time and they were on their road somewhere. God was proving to them that he had accepted it. And that's always been the sign of the believer. These signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. Look at the great Holy Spirit speaking through St. Paul. When Jesus came, he was orthodox, so was the Jews. But they condemned him. God 
recognized that Jesus was his son. He had vindicated him. Peter said in Acts 2, said, you men of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by signs and wonders which God did by him. That's the sign of it. If your church don't believe in signs and wonders, God better start praying for that church. Believes the days of miracles is past. You're on the borderline yet. See? Over there is where the grapes is, over on the other side. All right. Notice, that's scripture. That's not joking. That's the Bible. The Bible says that. And look at the Holy Ghost looking forward now to this day. He said, the Spirit speaks expressly in the latter days. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and so forth. How they be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Look at the church today. Well, my, they stay home on Wednesday night, look at television. They don't go to prayer meeting no more. They have drive-ins so they don't have to get out of their car. No more altars. They tuck all the fire off the altar and put it in the furnace. Tuck the upper room and turn it into a supper room. Boil up some old tough chicken, sell it for 50 cents a plate to pray the preacher. Well, that's not God's program at all. You're all out of line. God will never vindicate anything like that. That's true. And you Pentecostal people are getting right into that same rut. That's right. Amen. Now notice how that God did. God said, be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, truth breakers, false accusers. Ah, there's nothing to them. False accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness, very orthodox, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. If the Holy Spirit said so, I guess I can quote the Holy Spirit. From such turn away. For this is the sort that goes from house to house and organizes the women's missionary societies and stitch and sew and sew and stitch and, and talk about Miss So and So and uh, all these kind of things. Brother, what you need is prayer meetings. Get men and women back to God to the old fashioned you and I again. That's the truth. You know that's the truth. And that might scorch you just a little bit, my brother. But it better scorch you now and have you burnt after a while. So you just listen to it. That's the truth. Notice now how they went on. God looked down both smoldering sacrifices and God blessed Israel because he was with Israel. Here they come up now to the borderline. Moses had died and Joshua was the new leader and he was going to take the children across to the other side. They sent some more spies out. Had to go spy the land out again. Forty years had passed. That sea, you have to go do your first works over again, don't you? I think a Pentecost started off back there at that kind of a, a free and going, a free-hearted and, and free in the spirit and everything. I think you better go do your first works over again. <laughs> don't you think so? Get back to the old hewing line, the old landmark again. Come back again to believing in God. Come back to letting the Holy Ghost have its way in your heart. To worshiping God in the spirit. And doing like you used to do. Get that old starchy, indifferent feeling away from you. My, you can't, you can't have a church like that. You can't have believers like that. You take, like an old mother bird sitting on a bunch of eggs. You know, if she, it, it isn't a mother bird now that hatches the eggs. It's the, it's the atmosphere around them eggs is what hatches it. It's the atmosphere all the time. And you get an atmosphere where people are disbelieving and fussing and stewing among one another and arguing about where they belong to this church or that. You'll never hatch out Christians. 
That's right, you can't do it. This old bird might sit on that nest and hover them eggs so she gets so poor she can't fly off the nest. If that male bird, ha- if that female bird hasn't been with the male bird, them eggs will never hatch. They'll rot right in the nest. That's right. And that's what the church has got to do in the day. You get for your pastor the best educated man you can find. You go and get the best dressed man and the one can stand on the platform and look the best. This great, big, tall, six-footer, you know, with the wavy hair flowing like that. And Well, that's the guy I want for my pastor. Brother, you got away from the old hewing line. The only thing I can tell you. I'd rather have a man preaching me with a pair of overhauls on and mud on his shoes and no God than all the DDs that you could put before me. Hallelujah. Back to the old hewing line again, brother. That's where we ought to go. Somebody preach the full gospel, believe in divine healing, the power of God, the resurrection, the Jesus, the same yesterday, day, and forever. Look at them now. They're coming up to the borderline again. And now they sent the spies out and they found the harlot Rahab there and she gave them a blood sign of this red scarlet streak down to farther escape. Now it comes time to cross over. I could imagine what Joshua thought. Now just in closing, just before we call the prayer line. I want to leave this thought with you. Think of it. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Joshua, he was becoming an old man now. God had chosen him. Said he's going to take Moses' place. And here he is. The time is at hand. And Joshua's to move over. Look what a bunch of rebels that he's had to contend with. But he called them all together one day there when he moved up to the bank. For he knew that God had promised the land belonged to them. And that morning he said, I told him what to do. He said, sanctify yourselves and get ready for we're going to cross over. If there ever was a call to the church to sanctify yourselves and get away from the things of the world, we're ready to cross over. Amen. Amen. Are you ready tonight to throw aside, sanctify yourself from all your unbelief? You read in the newspapers, you hear ministers testifying of blind, deaf, and dumb. What's the matter? Don't you believe that's for you too? The same gospel's been preached to you like was preached to them. Are you ready to sanctify yourself? There's only one sin, and that sin is unbelief. Smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey, and telling lies, and committing adultery, that's not sin. That's the attributes of sin. You do that because you are a sinner. That's what makes you do it. See? It's not sin itself. That's what the results of sin. Now, and the only sin there is is unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already, said Jesus in St. John 3. See, you've got to, you, if you don't believe, there's only two faculties. One of them is unbelief and the other is faith. If you believe, you are. If you do not believe, you are not. That's the only thing. Now sanctify yourself and get away from every superstition. Everything would tell you, the devil say, well, if I get called up on the platform, I might get healed tonight. Get that devil away from you. It doesn't matter whether you come up here or not. It's whether you get up there or not with faith. Amen. Amen. Have faith in God. Believe it. Joshua said, now you're going to see the glory of God. For there hung a pillar of fire over him. He said, now when the, when the pillar of fire begins to move down towards the Jordan, said then as the priest takes it down, let every man fall right in behind and don't get too close to it, but don't let it get out of your sight because you've never passed this way before. I believe there's an experience for the church that you've never passed this way before. To you people tonight, maybe that you can't have faith enough, let's move out towards Jordan tonight. Oh my Maybe you've never passed this way before, but let's pass this way tonight. Amen. You say, I never did it before, but I'm going to try it tonight. God's here leading you. 
That's what's talking to your heart and telling you to do it is the Holy Spirit. And I can see the people as they went marching on. But did you notice the angel of the Lord went into Jordan before them? I like that. The angel of God took Jordan first. The angel of God will lead you every step of the way. Sometimes you think that, that if the trials are hard. God ain't no hurry. You're the only ones in a hurry. God let the children, uh, the Hebrew children go right in the fiery furnace. He let Daniel get right in the lion's den and everything before he ever come. Just rise up and start walking by faith. God, I believe you. I'm bound for the promised land. God, you promised it to me. And here I come. I'm following the leading of the Holy Ghost. I'm going out of here tonight. I'm going to prove to the world I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. I accept my healing and I walk by faith right now. I believe it. I like that. Listen, sinner friend. One of these days you're going to take a walk too. And you're going right down to Jordan. You better be following the Holy Spirit. Because I tell you, it's a deep, dark river. You'll never go that way again. And you'll have to go someday. And I realize you say, what about you, preacher? Yes, I know I got to go the same way, friend. I got to come down there. And I know, I I don't know when it will be. It may be yet tonight. I don't know when I'll go. But there's one thing. I'm going with this in my mind. I know him in the power of his resurrection. And when he calls, I'll be called out from among the dead. I know that I have to face it. It's true. I'm no boy no more. And I, I've got to face it sometime. But brother, one of these days, I suppose, I'll preach my last sermon. That's true. I'll pray for the last sick person. I'll close the Bible for the last time. I've got to do it. Most all Branhams, when they get a little old, while well, they all take a palsy, they shake. And when they get around 70 or 80 years old, I hope I live if Jesus comes. And I'll probably be standing someday as an old man. Probably a white beard around my face of Jesus to Aries. I got to come right down to that river too. You know that? Amen. I can just look ahead yonder and see myself standing at the river. Of all to end then, I'm at the river. Old man. Standing probably leaning on a stick, shaking. Amen. I got to come there, old and you see my old granddad standing under, shaking on his stick. Said, Be a good boy, Billy. I'll probably stand there too and look back at my Billy someday. Be a good boy, Billy. It's all over for Dad now. I can hear the breakers out yonder. I know I'm gone. You know what I want to do? I walk out on the sands like a hero. Hallelujah! Take off the helmet. Yes. Lay it down. Take the armor down. Take the old sword of the Spirit here and stick it back in the sheath of eternity. Hunter. Raise out my arms and scream to the top of my voice. Don't worry, he'll be there. I say, shove out the lifeboat, Lord. I'm coming home this morning. <laughs> he'll be there. And I go down through the long valleys of the shadows of death. He'll send the morning star to light up the way. Then we want to cross over into the other land. Settle down. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, I don't know. Your children are peculiar children. Standing here tonight expecting us to speak a few minutes and just try to bring up a little faith to the people. And here I've been standing here not even speaking about it, but with harshing, rebuking by the Spirit, but only did as you said. 
I don't know who you were talking to out there, but when I started to call for the sick, you changed me. Truly, Lord, we all got to come down to the end of life's journey. I've got to come. We all got to come. There everyone in here is coming. And Father, is there someone in here tonight that's just not ready to go to that place? They've been sitting in the meeting. You've seen their great miracles of God. See what he does. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to their heart tonight. This is the time. Let this word come to their heart while you're knocking there. You said, no man can come to me except my father draws him. All that comes, I'll give him everlasting life. Said, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. Shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death to life. God, I pray that that person, man, woman, boy, or girl is in here that got to come to the end of the road and is not ready. Will you speak to their heart just now? And while we have our heads bowed, I wonder if the person is in here tonight would say, Brother Branham. Uh, it was talking to me tonight. Uh, I'm not just where I ought to be. And just let the Holy Spirit now look, if you will, every head bowed. Very sacred moment now. If you're not in God's kingdom, been born in the kingdom, would you raise up your hand to, not to me, but to God and say, God, be merciful to me. I want you. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Someone else. God bless you. On the lower floor yet, someone else. Raise your hand. Say, God, remember me. God bless you, sister. Someone else. God bless you. Someone else. Up in the balcony, someone up there, just raise your hand. It's the most manly or lady thing you've ever done in your life. Raise your hand. Say, Jesus, here's my hand. I, I, I haven't served you, and I, I, I want to. This is my, my hand to you. I, I want to be right with God. Someone else would raise your hand right quick before. Yeah, God bless you. Here, the lady here up in the balcony. I see you up there. The boy up there. This girl over here. I see you. God bless you. Someone else, just raise your hand. God bless you, lady. I see you. Someone else, just put up your hand. Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. My faith looks up to thee. God bless you. Thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. And let me from this day be wholly thine. Would you just raise your hand and say, here's my hand, God. I, I, I promise you right tonight, if you'll forgive me, then I, I'll start right tonight. This will be my starting time tonight, this Saturday night. i make my choice right now in thee, O Lord. Many say, maybe you've been living a halfway life. Maybe you're a half backslidden, cold, formal, indifferent. Raise your hand and say, Christ, this I'll raise my hand and say, I pledge my life anew to you. God bless you. That's good. My, look at the hands. Now, that's fine. Now, Heavenly Father, Thou knowest them all. And I pray that in Jesus' name that You will save every one of them, call back the backsliders, and give the Holy Spirit to everyone freely, for there is a fountain open tonight, as free as it can be, and whosoever will can come and drink from this fountain. Father, I did this because of felt that You told me to, so I... Pray now, God, if there's any left here that never raised her hand, we have to never meet again on this world's tour here. May we meet in glory. Grant it, Lord. May the great Holy Spirit come now and bring conviction and save everyone and give them faith in the finished work of Christ at Calvary. For we ask it in his name. Amen. The Lord bless you, my brother, sister. And I'm sorry to take so much of your time.
as I did. But you get started. It looks like I just talked too much. Now, we're going to start the prayer line. I wonder how many in here sovereignly believe in Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many in here has never been in a service where I prayed for the sick? Let's see your hands just a moment. I'd like to ask you a little question then, while they're getting settled. If you must go for the next 15, 20 minutes, now is the time to do it. Because, um, and if there happens to be unbelief and doubt, it's not good to stay around in these times. How many knows that Jesus, when he was here on earth, that he did not claim to be a healer? How many knows that? Let's see your hand. Jesus said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father. Is that right? And he said, when he was questioned one time, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. Is that right? St. John 5, 19. We questioned and passed through the pool of Bethesda, many cripples and blind and halt, laid there, and he went and healed a man laying on a pallet, went away and left the multitude there. If he did that here tonight in Chicago, he'd be questioned again, wouldn't he? Certainly, because he's the same, and the people are the same. But he said, I can't do nothing now until the Father shows me. Now, let me quote this to you again. Listen real close now. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when he was questioned, The Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. If he, how many believes he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? All right, I want to ask you something. When he was sure on earth, what kind of a ministry did he have? Did he come and say, bring me this fellow and I'll show you a healing? No, no. What did he do when he first started his ministry? Just a little quotation now while the crowd's getting quietened. Let's follow him just a few minutes, just a, a jump or two through the Bible and watch what kind of a ministry he had. And the kind of ministry he had then, he'll have to have the same today if he is the same. Is that right? If he's still ministering today, he only uses you and I for his subjects and ministering through us, saying the things that I do shall you also what did he do? Let's follow him just a few moments. We find him after he come out of the wilderness, after his temptation, after the Holy Spirit had come upon him without measure and filled him, and he made him Emmanuel, God in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. Then he went into his ministry. Quickly, he found a man. He knew who he was. He called him Simon, said, you're the son of Jonas. There's a man named Philip got converted, and he went, and he was interested in getting his friend, Nathaniel. So he went around another part of the country, and Oh, a couple of counties perhaps out. And found Nathaniel. He was under a tree praying. He said, come see who I found. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel was a very orthodox believer. He said, could any good thing come out of Nazareth, a very wicked city? He said, come see. Now, I think, friends, while we're reasoning together, I think that's the best thing anybody can do is find out for yourself. Isn't that right? Now, let's just come right down to earth now. See? Now, he said, come see. So he followed him. And when he come up in the crowd, it was standing out in the audience like that where uh, the rest of them was, Jesus perhaps running his prayer line or praying for the sick. Jesus turned and looked over at him and said, behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Why, he said, how did you know me, Rabbi? Well, you don't know me. You never see me. How did you know me? How did you know I was a believer? Why, he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. What did the world say it was? What would they say it was tonight? Mental telepathy. Or Simon the sorcerer. Or a witch or fortune teller. They said the same thing then. They said he's Beelzebub, the prince of the fortune tellers. The king of all of them. 
the prince of the devils. But what did Philip say to this, or Nathaniel? He said, Thou art the king of Israel, you're the son of God. And he said, Because I told you that, you believe? He said, You'll see greater things than this. Let's follow him a little farther. I see him one day going through an audience of people, and a woman touched his garment and ran out. She thought, If I touch his garment, all right. She sat out in the audience or stood out there, whatever it was. Jesus said, Who touched me? He said, Well, all of them's touching you. He said, Yes, but I got weak. Virtue, you know, we got weak. He looked around to see who did it. And he found the little woman, for she said in her heart, I believe him. If I can just touch him in some way, uh, I'll be healed. And she went out there, and Jesus looked over till he found her. He said, Thy faith has healed thee. See, she drawed from the gift of God, pulled the gift out of Jesus, which he was the greatest gift God ever gave was his own son. You know that. And so she pulled the faith of the power of God through Jesus to herself. He never said, I did it. He said, Thy faith has did it. And we find him going through the pool of Bethesda and many places, uh, other places to the scripture. And we find him there at the pool of Bethesda going through there. A few days after that woman touched his garment. There are laid a great multitude, hundreds of people, a lame, halt, blind, twisted, withered, waiting for the water to move. And Jesus went down through them, never said a thing, went over. For he knew, see, the father had showed him. He knew where there's a man that was going to be laying on a pallet. So he found him. He said, well, thou be made whole. He said, I have no one to put me in the water. But take up your bed and go into your house. He picked up his bed and went walking away. The Jews questioned him. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Now, Jesus told the truth. Do you believe that? Just for, we could take it from Genesis to Revelation. No prophet, no time, no time to Jesus. At any time, ever done anything without first it being revealed to him. Look at the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus, standing right there in the home of this fine people, went away, for he knew what was going to happen. And they sent for him to come to the home. He just kept on going. After the amount of days the Father had showed him in the, in the vision what was going to happen, he said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. They said, He does well. He said, He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, but I go wake him. Vision. I do nothing except the Father shows me. Standing at the grave, look at him. He is praying, but he said, I do it, Father, for their sake, because he already knew. He said, I say that for their sake. Then he called Lazarus from the dead. He had already seen it in the vision. See? Always. It goes like that. And if that was Jesus yesterday, that's Jesus today and Jesus forever. And Jesus, before he left the world, he said, These things that I do shall you do also. And more than this shall you do. You call it great, but take the right translation is more. More means more. greater. It don't mean in quality. It means in quantity. More than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. Now listen close. He said, a little while and the world will see me no more. That's the unbeliever. As soon as I'm gone, the world will see me no more. Yet ye shall see me, for I, personal pronoun, I will be with you to the end of the world. Why? Not just that generation would see him, but every generation to the end of the world would see him. Now, how are we going to see him? He said, I'll be with you even in you. The things that I do shall you also, I'll be in you, carrying all my work right on in the form of the Holy Ghost to the end of the world. Amen. Listen, you Pentecostal people. You had the gifts of speaking in tongues. Why didn't you cross on over? There's other things in there. Paul said, if you all speak with tongues and the unlearned come in, won't he say you're crazy? Barbarians or so forth. 
He said, but the one prophesies and reveals the secrets of the heart, then they'll all fall down and say, truly, God's with you. Is that right? Those things are for the believers. A fellow said to me sometime ago, said, I don't believe. I, I said, all right, it's not for you. It's not for unbelievers. It's to those that believe. It's for believers. Do you believe tonight with all your heart that Jesus rose from the dead? Amen. And if he did raise from the dead, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, is he? We've tucked that over in the first of the week over and over to it ought to be settled in your mind. But I say it for those newcomers. Now, if he is the same, he's the same in principle. He's the same in power. He's the same in compassion. Is that right? Then he'll do the same. And if he comes tonight, you're at this platform and performs the very same things he did when he was here on earth. Will you accept him? Every one of you go out and believe with all your heart. Our heavenly father now from henceforth is to you, Lord. And I pray that. That you'll grant tonight that your presence will be with each one. And now hide us behind the cross, Lord, that, and quieten this audience. And may faith come up to a level to where every person in here will be healed. For God's glory, we ask it in the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now please, in the name of the Lord Jesus, everyone be seated and be quiet and don't move around. Don't go out. Just sit still for a little bit. Now... We're going to call the prayer cards. We can't get them all at once, so start get about 10, 15, 20 or something. Let's see, uh, start from number 1 to number 10 first in line up right down here. Number 1 to number 10, if you will. Look at your prayer cards. Number 1. And, say, what's the letter of them prayer cards, Billy? Brother Bose, some of you. M. All right. 1 to 10. Who has prayer card number 1? Let's see your hand. Raise up right quick now so we won't take much time. Just as quick as we can. Are you mistaken, son? Was that M you give out? Anybody got a prayer card M? Let's see your hand. M number one, where are you, where are you at? What's it? Oh, here, I'm sorry. All right, number two. Quickly, number two, down here. Number three, down here. M number three, number four, number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. As quick as you can. And look at the people. If anybody gets a prayer card and their number's called and they can't get up, just raise your hand to them and, and we'll see the ushers bring them up. Is there anybody that's deaf? Wait till this kid to get those lined up down there. There may be some missing. Somebody might be deaf, can't hear, not able to raise their hand. We want everyone to come. All right. Number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now we have to take them easy so we get the whole group lined up right. Number. Is that if I got them, has it, Brother Moore, about 10? Or 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Let them come next now. M, 12, 13, 14, 15. Let them come next, if you will. Or it looks like he's about, how many is that, about five or six on the beach? 17, 18, 19, 20. Come next. All right. 17, 18, 19, 20. All right. Now let's see while they're getting that ready. Rest, look this way. How many of you here doesn't have a prayer card and you want Jesus to heal you? Let's see your hands. Like, raise your hands up. That's fine. God bless you now. I'm going to ask you something. If Jesus is here, couldn't your faith pull him to you just the same as that woman did with the blood issue? Could you do it? How many has ever seen Jesus do it right in the meetings? Let's see your hands. Why, sure. Hundreds of you. Certainly. All right. Now, how many we got out there? How many we got? Well, let's let, let's let it right there for a few minutes, then, brother. Just then, then we then we get down that far. We get some more in a few minutes. 
All right, everybody real quiet now, just as reverent as you can be. Now look this way, everyone, and you go to prayer. And now may the Lord grant his blessing is, is my sincere prayer. Now, find out, take this place here a few minutes. What do you think? That's such a lady. I've never seen her in my life. Now, she looks like a healthy woman. But surely, maybe she's a deceiver. Watch and find out if she is or not. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do. Maybe she's just pretending she's doing something. Find out what happened. How many have been in the meetings and seen pretenders try to do that? Yeah, some of them's in the NA same institution, some dead and some sitting crippled. That guy was going to hypnotize me that night, brought that hypnotizer down, was standing there and the Holy Spirit looked around and told him, said, you child of the devil, paralyzed, sitting right there and paralyzed yet. That's been four years ago. Still paralyzed. Went around his army camp to hypnotize soldiers, make them bark like a dog. You can't play with God. No, sir. You got to be reverent. All right, lady, would you come here just a minute? Now, anyone know, are we, we're strangers to each other, are we, lady? We're strangers, all right. Now, if we're strangers, so the people in the balcony and all can understand, uh, raise up your hand if we, we're strangers to each other. I've never seen the woman. I've never seen her in my life. I don't know her. Perhaps you do. I don't. There's some reason this woman's here. Now, I want to ask you, if Jesus is raised from the dead, let's say the woman sent there with some kind of hideous disease fixing to die. Or what if she comes to me now for help? Now, what if I were, if Jesus was standing here with my clothes on that he gave me? What do you think that Jesus, if you say, Jesus, I, I want you to heal me. Now, be careful now how you answer. Could he do it? Think of it. He's already done it. He'd say, I did that at Calvary. Is that right? Is that right, Brother Hicks? He did it at Calvary. But what could he do to her? He might be able to do something to her that would cause her faith to raise up to a place to where she could accept that. Is that right? And then she'd be healed. Because anything, if I, if my ticket is, if I was in a pawn shop and somebody paid my, went my bond, you can't go twice. <laughs> it's already finished. And divine healing and salvation was completed at Calvary. But I set in the church gift. And what would a gift do now? The woman standing here knowing I don't know her. I've never seen her. Now, there's only one thing. If God will, he can send the Holy Spirit by gift, which those gifts are not given by laying on of hands now. They're, they're you're born with those gifts. Gifts and callings without repentance. You know that. But now, what if that God would come down and tell her something? Just like, let's take the scene like, the, here it is, a perfect tonight to start with, like the woman at the well. She came to the Lord Jesus and she said, she's drawing some water and Jesus said, bring me a drink. Why did he do it? Why did he ask her that? He was contacting her spirit. The father, you know, he was going down to Jericho, but he went up the way of Samaria because the father told him to go up there, sitting over against the well. And note, according to the vision, he is supposed to be by himself. He sent the disciples away. Here come the woman. That's probably as far as you know. He said, bring me a drink. She said, you have nothing to draw with, and it's not customary for Samaritans to ask Jews or Jews, Samaritans, such things. He said, when I had talked to her a while, so he found out where her trouble was. And he said, go get your husband. 
Is that right? That was her trouble. She said, I don't have any husband. said, that's right, she got five. Now listen to, listen to this woman here again just for a testimony. Look at this, Brother Hicks. Look at this Samaritan. She said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now we know that when Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. See? That's the sign of the Messiah. Was that right? If that was sign of Messiah in that day, it's the sign of Messiah in this day because Messiah is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? We know when Messiah cometh, he could tell me what was wrong with me, but you must be a prophet. Jesus said, I'm he that speaks to you. And she ran into the city said, come see a man that told me. Is that right? The sign of Messiah. Now, here's the same thing tonight, man and a woman. Now, sister, I just want to talk to you a moment because you're being the first patient one. Just, you know what? I, I would know no way of knowing you or anything about you. But if, if I'd stand here and talk to you quite a while, he'd just keep telling all about you. But look at that prayer line now. See? It's the people. All them wants to come up here. And that's why I get the weak that come take me. See, because I go in subconsciously. But if Jesus of Nazareth will let me know what you're here for, or something about you that you know that I do not know, then will you accept it and believe that it's same Jesus that he's here? And the audience has claimed that they would too. Now, you, by God's grace, well, serve me, sister. God bless you. Well, that, now I want to ask you something. Now you, 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 just see where this, I'm telling you the truth right here. Just a second ago, something come to you, wasn't it? Something, you had a feeling move over you. That's the angel or here it is right between us right now. That's that, see this here? Now the lady's moving away from me. She is very much distressed. I see her in a bedroom and she can't sleep. She's walking up and down a floor. She goes into another room. She comes back and comes into another room. She goes into a little place and gets some kind of, it's something in a little, it's a little powder to take it to go to sleep. And she's trying, her, her condition is a nervous condition. And she's taking powders to keep asleep. And she's taking so many of them until they just about got the best of her. She's just about to go into a breakdown and be finished. That's thus saith the law. That true? Yes, that's true. How would I know you? I don't know what I said to you. That wasn't me. That was him. Now that was truth, every bit, was it? Yes, every bit. Uh, every bit the truth. Yes. Now Jesus said, "These signs shall follow that." But there's something here you'll have to know. There's something here on me that knows you, not me, but something on me that knows you. Is that right? That's seen you and what you've done and what about you. Is that right? Yes. You believe that's Jesus Christ anointing me? Then he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. If this anointing, so I'll lay hands on you. What has to happen? Get well. Is that right? Then come here just a moment. Our kind heavenly Father, thou endorsed this woman. All the food she's ever eat was given to her by you. She's standing now trembling in your presence knowing that this must be the time. She's standing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, tears coming into her eyes, knowing that a mere man cannot do these things, knowing that she must be in thy presence. 
So this demon that's now vibrating against this gift of God, Satan, I condemn you by Jesus Christ. Calvary and the blood come out of the woman in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let her go. Amen. Now it's over. Now you can go home rejoicing and thank God. Go out this way just praising the Lord. Would you come, lady? You believe with all your heart? I see you got a little something on with a mustard seed in it. Representing mustard seed faith. You believe that you have mustard seed faith? It might not perform a miracle, but if you stay with it, it'll take you to the light. I'm a stranger to you, lady. I've never seen you in my life as I know of. We being strangers to each other, God knowing us both, God can help by letting me, if I could help you and didn't do it, I'd be a brute, sister. Knowing a poor woman here at those wrinkled hands and probably done a many hard days work and standing here a little old mother and, and shaking all over because you're under a divine anointing. You've never felt like that before because it's just in his presence. Do you ever see the picture of the angel of the Lord? They got you on a picture? That's this thing. It's right on you now. Moving right around. I see you going somewhere. There's somebody giving you an examination. Something or another. It looks like it's you. You stumbled. You fell. You hurt your left side and left shoulder. That's right. Then you have a, 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 a dropped bladder. That is true. You believe it's over now? Go give it to him in the name of the Lord Jesus. Will you come, my brother? Come believing, having faith. I'm a stranger to you. Never seen you in my life as a Noah. But Jesus knows you, doesn't he? You believe if he will let me know what your trouble is, that you get well? I do. You do. Well, my brother, as quick as that anointing strikes you, I see a shadow of death hanging near you. It's a cancer. I don't know whether you're aware of that or not. You are, yes, you have. It's an examination, and that was in the prostate glands. You have a cancer in the prostate. That's true. That's right. God be merciful. Come here, brother. Kind Heavenly Father, as your Holy Spirit here now, the loving Lord Jesus I hold my body against my brother and condemn the devil that's trying to take his life and cast him away from the man. In Jesus Christ's name, may he go. Amen. God bless you, my brother. Go happy now and rejoicing. Don't be down. What'd you put up your hand for, little fella? You believe? You believe me to be God's servant? You do? With all your heart? God could heal you at that rupture if you believe in it. You believe he heals you then? Or stand up on your feet and accept it. All right. Now go home. Be well. See, your faith did that, sir. God bless you. Just have faith. Don't doubt. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. But you've got to believe.
Jesus said that. Now, look here. Of course, you all know, I'll have to pick up on the recordings. I'll never remember this. But I hope it's coming in clear, my voice. Standing right here in the corner stands that pillar. If I want to hold, oh, look right here. Can't you see that moving? It's standing right over a colored lady. That's a praying. Sitting right out there on the end. And she is a praying to Christ. And asking Jesus to have me to call her and let her faith touch Jesus through me. A colored lady, you're sitting there, you're suffering with high blood pressure. Sitting there, isn't that right, lady? All right, now you can go home. The high blood pressure has left you. Your faith made you well. Hallelujah. See, you don't need your prayer card. You need faith. Say, young man, you're sitting right behind her there on the other old man looking right at me with the earnestness. Said, God, can't you touch me too? You got stomach trouble, haven't you? That man with a white shirt on. Yes, sir, that's you. Yes, you. You got stomach trouble. Your stomach's been souring and, and going on. Isn't that right? And fluttering around your heart. It's all over, my brother. Your faith heals you. Praise be to the living God. Don't doubt. Just only believe. Have faith in God. Jesus said, I can, if thou canst believe. If you just have faith, that's all you need. This the lady? Excuse me, sister. I don't mean to be rude or perhaps I just have to follow the way he goes, you see. I have no way of controlling anything just as he leads. Now we strain to each other. The anointing is getting rich now. Getting weak. Usually that's when I'm getting weak, but it's the best then. Now something happened right here. Oh, it's this lady, the kind of a heavy set lady sitting there. It's holding right over. Yes, she has a a kidney trouble she's been suffering with. You believe Lord Jesus makes you well, sister? Believe it, he'll heal you? You do? All right. Raise up your hand that you accept it. All right, my sister. Go home, be well now. The sister colored lady looking around the side of the man there. You're wanting so hard for Jesus to touch you tonight, aren't you? Uh-huh. You believe me to be his prophet? Stand up just a minute. Now you feel different, don't you? Long time you've been suffering with something. And that's little white things, like little cards, is called hesions. Is that right? You don't have them now. You can go home. Your faith makes you well. Just have faith. Don't doubt. Believe. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believeth. You believe? What about up in the balcony up there? Are you believing? There's certainly a wall of faith between you here, but that doesn't matter to Christ. Now, my dear friend, God in heaven knows that I'm only here to help you. I'm only here trying to do what I can to represent my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looks like you could believe right now. Looks like you people who really know Jesus to know that uh, it's here. Now, you might not be looking at what I'm looking at, you say, if he was looking at it, I could sit. No. 
of, of fire and light come around Paul one day on his road down to Damascus. And even so bright he put his eyes out and no one seen that light but him. Is that right? He only seen it. That's it. It's between here and that wall yonder. It's just one solid bank. Looks like a glory of God. That's the people's faith. See, you're moving it yourself. You're doing that. Not me. I have nothing to do. If you didn't believe it, it wouldn't happen. It's your faith that's doing it. Isn't that wonderful of our Lord and Savior? Oh, he's so good. Hallelujah. We should just love him with all of our hearts, shouldn't we? Jesus said, I can if you believe. Yeah. Uh, we are strange to each other, sister. You know me. Or you were healed. Oh, I see. Well, I mean to know you personally. I wouldn't know you because I just come, just somebody was prayed for. I, all right. Now I see you got a handkerchief in your hand. Now that handkerchief is perhaps for somebody. I want you to look to me and I want you to believe me as God's servant. And if God will reveal to me the, the thing that's in your heart. Will you accept what you're asking for? Will the audience do the same thing? Strange case. But there's none hard for our Lord Jesus. That handkerchief is for a woman, a girl. And that girl is your daughter. And that girl has a, a kidney trouble. She's been seriously sick. I see Dr. Sandra. She's operated on. And one of the... One of her kidneys has been moved, and I hear the doctor say there's no hope for the other one. She's going to die. And your heart's kind of broke. The girl's a Catholic. That's right. And you are, have something in your side that you, that you want to be prayed for. Is that right? Now, do you believe me as this prophet? Now, take, let me have the handkerchief. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, grant the request of this sister... In Jesus' name, amen. Now, don't fear. Have faith and believe. You believe? Allow your heart? If thou canst believe, don't move, please. All right? You believe in two ladies with all your heart? God knows you. I don't. Is this our first meeting time? We don't know one another? Or you've seen me in other meetings. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know you in other I'm nothing like that. Something happened over here in the corner just then. Have faith. Don't doubt. I miss it now. I really believe with all your heart. might have been Billy Paul, my boy, going down there. I felt I know everything's wrong with Billy. I know old Brother Jack, and man, that's the reason I don't let others around. Because, see, their faith moves, and i got to get somebody close to me. It's hard to catch a vision out there because there's too many now believing and pulling. That might have been why I, it went to the corner, but something went that way. It might have been following Billy. But it left the woman here and went that way. 
everyone be reverent, but you're in the house of the living God. Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, is here proving he is alive tonight. You know it. What do you think of that, my Eskimo brother there? You think the people in your country up and there will receive the Lord Jesus when he, they see the signs and wonders of God? You believe it? All right. I believe it too with you. Hallelujah. He's so real. Amen. Now, sister, I want to talk to you just a moment. Now, if I could help you, I'd do it, but I can't. But by a divine gift which was given sovereignly by Jesus Christ, I might be able to cause your faith to come up to a place to accept it. What would you think standing here before a man that doesn't know you, never seen you, and would say something to you that you know that I don't know nothing about? It would have to come from some supernatural resource, but it has to. Would you believe it would be Jesus after I've explained it by the Bible? Would you? I believe you would because you're, you're a Christian. Of course, I see you wearing glasses. That's actually your age does that. And now, uh, now, no, it's not your eyes that you desire your prayer for. It's your stomach. You have a stomach trouble. And it's got down into the intestinal tract. It's in the colon also a trouble. And then you're not from Chicago. You're from another big city. And I see a lot of cars coming, moving up. It's a car plant. Where they make, it's Detroit. You're from Detroit. And I see something flash like a, a, a man standing by you. No, it ain't. It's a man that you're praying for there. And a man has got a heart trouble. And I believe he's under an oxygen or just under an oxygen tent. And he's in Detroit, too. I'll take that handkerchief to him. And both of you be well in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have faith. You believe? Now, please, I know it's late. But just give me just, I'll, I'll go in another three full minutes if, if you're just being a real quiet. Don't move. See, you're a human being, your soul. I got it right in contact right now. There's not every spirit. I'm subject to it right now. When you, when you move, that moves this thing, and it'll take me from the line. When I really do reverend, just a few minutes, and boy, take me just in a few minutes when you're ready. How right. see the light hanging over? Is, was that lady just... In the prayer line? Right here? No, it's over two. It's over a man and a woman. It's them two sitting there, a husband and wife. It's, it's ruptured. There you are sitting there, a man's got on a red-looking tie, and a lady. You all both have ruptures, your husband and wife, aren't you? I got, you believe with all your heart that Jesus make you well? Stand up on your feet and kiss it then. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Have faith. God can heal heart trouble. You anything He wants to, if you believe it. Do you believe it? You believe I lay hands on you? God will heal you. In Jesus Christ's name, may it leave the woman. Amen. I go rejoicing. Have faith. It's trouble to me. It's why people can't believe right now. Oh, if you could only know the truth. Have faith. How do you do, lady? We are strange to each other, aren't we? 
We've never met each other before. God knows you and he knows me. There's something strange about you. I don't know what it is that caught me quickly. You're suffering. You have headaches. And you have a stomach trouble. And the cause of it, you're nervous. A nervous disposition. You've been nervous since you was a child. You've been nearsighted, too, in your eyes. You see, when you read your book, you hold it too close to you because you're nearsighted. And here is the greatest need you have, sister. You need Jesus for your Savior, your sin. You need to be saved. Will you accept him now? Your sins are forgiven you then. Go in the peace of God be upon you. You're healed also. Almighty God, I bless this young woman. She come into your presence, your Shekinah glory. And in her heart, she felt the Holy Ghost when it moved. Now, ever sin gone, sickness healed, may she go in peace. Amen. Sister, your sins are forgiven. You're healed of your disease. Now go and serve God with all your heart. Let's say praise be to God. Come, lady. You believe, lady? Now I want to talk to you just a minute. You have faith and believe with all your heart. God will do thee exceedingly abundantly if thou canst believe. Such a faith moving in this way. Oh, yes. High blood pressure setting out there at the end of the road. You believe Jesus Christ will make you well? If thou canst believe. If you believe that God will do it. You can have, will you believe it? Or both of you, stand up and accept it and believe it with all your heart and be made well. Amen. Now I see you in your house. You're doing something around the table. You're nervous for one thing. I see you get real nervous, get real weak. You have weak spells. You go sit down while you're doing this. I'm not reading your mind. No, that's true. But I see you refuse certain things. It's a, oh, you got a stomach trouble, too. It's a nervous condition causes an ulcer in your stomach. That's true. Now, will you obey me as God's prophet? Go eat your supper. Don't doubt no more. You can have what you have. God bless you. Let's say praise be to God. Does thou believe, sister? You believe that Jesus make you well? You have many things wrong with you. Heart trouble. Causes a flush. Really a nervous heart. Your heart hurts you worse when you lay down. Smothers you. What it is, it's really a gas. You got a weak heart because it's a nervous heart. But you're, when you lay down at night, you fan for breath. Don't you love him right now? Come here just a minute. Heavenly Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that you'll heal this sister tonight for your glory. Amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Have faith. Believe with all your heart now. Come, lady. Poor little woman. Sister, following you is a real dark shadow, which means death. You got a cancer. That's right. But Jesus is sure to heal it. You believe it? Oh, God. Satan, you're exposed. I condemn you in Jesus' name. Come out of the woman. Amen. Now, lady, in Jesus Christ's name, have no doubt. 
You can have what you have for. God bless you. May the Lord God grant it to you, my sister, and give you a rich royal life. Amen. Have faith. Come, ladies. You believe? Between you and I comes a shadowing. Through there comes blood pouring. You, uh, you have diabetes. It's correctly. Jesus Christ is better than all the insulin and anything you could take. Do you believe it? Come here. Oh, Lord, have mercy, and I bless this woman and heal her. In Jesus Christ's name, may it be so. Amen. Go believing now with all your heart. Sister, God can heal back trouble and kidney trouble and make you well. Do you believe that? All right, then go receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Come. You believe, lady? Now you're ready for an operation to take a tumor out of you. But the power of God can move it right now. Do you believe it? Then accept it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's say praise the Lord. Of course, you see you're walking crippled up. You cough at night a whole lot with an asthmatic condition. and yeah, That's right. I just accept him as your healer and go off the platform rejoicing and being happy and praising God. Hallelujah. You believe, sister, with all your heart? Oh, you have many things wrong with you. One of it is a nervous heart. And another thing is you've got a stomach condition that bothers your lady's trouble. That's true, isn't it? That's right. Drainage from it. Because it's an abscess on the ovary. But Jesus makes you every withhold. Your faith heals you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Have faith. Sister God made you well. That heart trouble sitting there in a chair. Just go off the platform. Just rejoicing. Praise be to God. Come, lady. Hallelujah. Now look, friend, it's it's not now be real reverend. It's look, lady, I'm not reading them people. Here, lay your hand on me, lady. Here. If God will tell me what's wrong with you and me looking at the audience here by vision, you the people see it, then it's not mental telepathy. It's Jesus Christ. The woman's suffering from a nervous trouble. If that's right, lady, raise up your hand here. You was, you're healed. Now I see it turn all light around. You go on your road rejoicing now. My brother, Jesus will make you well of the kidney trouble and it'll never bother you no more if you'll believe him. Do you believe him? Then go rejoicing in Jesus Christ's name. Let's say praise the Lord. You believe? Lady, here, don't look at me. Just put your hand over here and say, I've disappointed a contact. You believe with all your heart? Now let's look for a vision. If God will reveal to me what your trouble, will you accept it? You believe it? Will the audience believe it? The lady's suffering with a female trouble, a lady's trouble. If that's right, raise up your hand, lady. You're healed now. Go on your road rejoicing. Your faith saves you. Let's say praise the Lord. Nervous condition, but Jesus Christ heals you. And also for your friend. In God's great, powerful name. Amen. You believe? Are you ready to receive your healing? Lay your hands over on one another as you sit there just a minute. Oh, look out across this audience. My brethren, my brothers. I wish you could, wish I could explain what I'm talking about. Just look at there. You're being healed, brethren. 
was just turning light all around you. I couldn't call you if I had to. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, may all the doubt leave every person. Heal the people, Father. I condemn the devil that's helped these people. Satan, you can't hold him any longer. You're exposed. Come out of him in Jesus Christ's name. May it be so. And the people give God a great big praise. Stand up out of the wheelchairs. Get up off the cots. You're healed in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.